woman I was planning on spending the rest of my life with just told me she cheated on me and we're supposed to get married in two weeks. Now I don't know what I'm going to do. Time to get up. What are you doing? Dude, stop feeling sorry for yourself. This room stinks, so put some pants on and let's go. Do you remember the day we met, Miles? And by a vow. It was the first day of high school. What do we do? We walked around, ditched school. Exactly, well, we're gonna do the same thing today. We're gonna take the day, walk around, and talk it up. Are you in? 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 Yeah, I'm in. Okay, here are the rules. This is so stupid. What are the rules? We do everything the way that we did in high school. Not wearing cargo shorts. We didn't have cars, so no driving today. No cell phones. No. Dude, no. we're not checking them all day. Come on. You first. Same time. <sighs> People from LA are actually cool. It's all these douches that move out here after watching too much swimming with sharks and entourage. I think I might move to New York. You do realize how insane of an idea that is, right? This isn't the miles I know. How do you care if I move to New York? Actually surprised we never hooked up. We proved when Harry met Sally wrong. Maybe you should just start rethinking everything. I don't think any New Yorker is going to pay for your art. But you know what? At least I'll know that I tried. I can look myself in the mirror and say, at least I'm not like Miles. At least I tried. Remember, you came to me. I didn't ask for you. I didn't ask for this day. And I'm still not asking for it. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me help you guys out here with these. Bruh, don't touch me, bro. Don't touch me, bro. <laughs> What's up, podcast world? Welcome to Hollywood Hate Me. I am your host, T. Huff. Thank you for tuning into the show. This is episode 25. In this episode, I talked to Jesse Shapiro. Jesse is a filmmaker who is a L.A. based filmmaker. To, uh, I mean, I discovered Jesse just surfing through Amazon Prime, checking out the movies on Amazon Prime. And I saw a movie titled Nobody Walks in L.A. And I just started watching it. And it was a great film. And I noticed that it was a low budget film that had over 30 locations. I mean, these guys were all over L.A., hit all the spots that I've seen, you know, because I live here in L.A. County. Uh, a lot of spots I've seen in L.A. And uh they made a great little film. I mean, I'm not going to call it a little film because it's a, a, a nice feature, but they made a great film. And, and, I, and I contacted Jesse to see if he would like to come on the Hollywood hate, hate Me and share with you guys how he was able to pull off this uh, indie film with a very small budget that shot in over 30 locations in L.A. So if you think that you cannot shoot your film in multiple locations, if you're producing and writing an indie feature film, uh, you actually can. And Jesse talks about how is how you could do it. So uh, the film is on Amazon Prime, which means that you could watch it for free. And if you watch it on Amazon Prime, you know, it, uh, Amazon would kick some some cash back to Jesse. So make sure you go on Amazon and check it out. And uh, let's go on ahead with the show. All right. Peace. Peace. <laughs> 
Are you an aspiring filmmaker looking to leave your mark on the big screen? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hollywood Hate Me with your host, director T. Huff. We got Jesse Shapiro here. Thanks for coming to the show, Jesse. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, no problem. No problem, man. I'm excited to have you. I took a look at your film, Nobody Walks in L.A., which I thought that the title was really uh, <laughs> was a funny title because it is actually true. Uh, a lot of people try to avoid walking in L.A. Even though there is a lot of traffic, you would think that people would walk more and ride their bikes more, but... Hey, people sit in their cars in traffic and just complain about traffic. It is true, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, the key to living in L.A. is not working too far away from where you live, so you can, you don't have to deal with the traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I actually uh, work, I work uh, 15 miles away, and that's an hour drive each way. That's so. crazy, man, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> are you originally from L.A., or are you from... Uh, out of LA? Yeah, no, I was born and raised in, in Los Angeles. So I'm born. Uh, I'm from here. Yeah, I was, oh. uh, grew up in Studio City in the San Fernando Valley. Okay, that makes sense. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, as far as like how you caught the film bug, and also how you led up to making this uh, your feature film, uh, Nobody Walks in LA? Yeah, sure. I mean, how how far back do you want me to go? I could. <laughs> well, 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 well. We already know that you're from Studio City, so uh, right. So how did how did you get interested in, in making uh, films? Okay, you know, I didn't really, I was probably, I kind of came in a little bit late. A lot of filmmakers are like, when I first saw UC when I was seven, I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. That wasn't really my my path. Um, I always loved movies and was into movies as a kid, but I always wanted, I was always into comedy and stand-up comedy. That was kind of my first interest in entertainment is I did stand-up comedy for a while. You know, I had, I had started doing stand-up comedy after college. I was living in Boston and then, um, I was there for a year and it was way too cold. So I <laughs> I was like, well, if I want to be in comedy and I'm from L.A., what am I doing in Boston? I should move back to Los Angeles. So I came back here and started getting involved uh, in the entertainment industry along with along with doing comedy at night. So um, after a couple okay, of years, so, pardon me? So, so really quick, uh, what was the draw to Boston? I mean, you said to do comedy. What was it? Was there a certain club or there was, did there was you hear a, about I had a, one of like your... After college, it was, uh, it was kind of during... Uh, one of the first recessions we had in 2002. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, there weren't a lot of jobs out there and I got offered a job out in Boston. So I was like, you know what? I haven't lived on the East Coast before and um, I'll go out there okay. and, and do that. So it was purely financially and I was interested in living someplace I hadn't lived before. And I knew comedy had, a, I knew, I knew Boston had a good comedy from the 80s and, and it was kind of a, 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 a good place to get started in, in stand up. So that was also uh, of interest to me. Yeah, so I came back here and I started interning at different management companies. Eventually, I got hired as an assistant at a comedy management company, and that comedy management company happened, one of the partners, and it happened to own the improv. And after a couple of years working for them, I uh, got the job of being the talent booker, the talent coordinator at, at the Hollywood Improv, which is pretty much the job that you decide who goes on stage at the improv. Okay. So at that point, I stopped doing stand-up because uh, I thought it was a conflict of interest, which kind of was, which I think I'm the only person Hollywood, who gave a shit or still cares about conflicts of interest. I'm sorry, are we allowed to swear on this? Is this that allowed? Oh yeah, of course, okay. of course you can. This is Hollywood hate me. You could cuss all you want. All right, cool. 
<laughs> so, um, so at that point, you know, um, I stopped doing stand up and, you know, I, I kind of had an awakening and realizing that I didn't, uh, having hung out and met so many stand up, they're amazing, hilarious, great people. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough job though. It's much like being a director or a filmmaker is, um, and it, I also realized I didn't really want to be in front of the camera. That wasn't really what my passion was after kind of seeing, um, uh, successful stand-up okay. for Tan. Um, you know, I kind of, at the Hollywood Improv, I kind of became famous at, in one particular place at, at that club, um, you know, because I had kind of juice and power there. I wasn't, um, okay. you know, I, I couldn't get through a meal or through a drink without getting interrupted by three, three or four times by comedians who wanted stage time. And so uh, I realized, okay, it's kind of like, you know, my goal at that point was to be a famous comedian. I was like, this is terrible. I would be a horrible famous person. Uh, if I did make it, I would still not be happy. So at that point I was like, I want to be creative and I, but I, I don't, I don't want to be in front of the camera. I'd rather be behind the camera. I'd rather have someone come up to me once every month and say, Hey, I really like your movie as opposed to getting interrupted all the time. And that was obviously a mindset of someone in their early twenties too. Who's like, Oh no, dad will get famous. If I put my mind. There's no such thing as luck mm-hmm. or anything else. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. So at that point, I started writing and directing short films and using, um, you know, comedians from the improv and comedians I was friendly with in the short. Uh, one of the comedians I became friendly with and was doing a lot of work with and uh, kind of doing a lot of uh, making a lot of stuff with got a big overall deal with Sony Crackle. At that point, he asked me if I wanted to go and write and direct and produce all of the, the, the shorts that he had to make for them that he he was hired to make for them, which is like 60 shorts or something like that. So I went 60? and did that for a couple of years and that was kind of my film school. That's where I kind of, did you say, did you say six zero? Yeah. Six zero. It was a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was your film school. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I learned so much during that process at the time. I didn't realize how much I was learning, but, um, looking back on it, I, I was able to make a lot of mistakes, you know, making all of those short films, you know, at that point, towards the end of that run, the economy went to shit again. And then I was out of a job and I moved back into my parents' house for a year and a half. <laughs> and that's okay. when I started. That's when I really started writing Nobody Walks in LA. Because <laughs> I had to look okay. busy when I was living in my mom and dad's house. 28 years old. 29 year old. Okay. So, so how did you come up with the idea for Nobody Walks in LA? Yeah, you know, I mean, so at that point I had realized, like, you know, I, I was making all these shorts. And they, they weren't really my voice. They were kind of my comedian friend's voice, um, who I, mm-hmm. who's hilarious. But I, I kind of wanted, at that point, I was inspired to make something that really represented me. And you know, I kind of put that out there and started thinking about what kind of movie I would want to make. You know, I, and I have like a, a real funny, goofy side, but I also have a serious side as well. So I wanted it not to be a straight of comedy, but to be something that, uh, you know, was more of a dramedy. Mm-hmm. What happened? I mean, like, I kind of had a stroke of inspiration. I was driving down the 10th freeway, and one of those cool blood orange sunsets. And, and I was looking at downtown, and there's uh, the opening song of my film playing on, uh, on on the radio. I hadn't heard it before, and I was like, this is a really cool song. And it was Blood Orange Sunset, and I was like, man, I really love Los Angeles. Everyone talks so much shit about it. And I was born and raised here, and you know, I, I, I was kind of inspired. I was like, I want to do a movie that's a love letter to LA that really shows the city through a, a native lens and, and not not just wannabe, not wannabe, but not just you know struggling Hollywood actors or or bitter yeah. about it, or on the mm-hmm. on the reverse side, it's not you know just straight out of Compton, or just kind of a cop show. You know, it feels like there are just two extremes that are always shown in regards to LA. It's either 
entourage at a Compton or struggling after indie movies. So I wanted to kind of show something that reflected the LA that I know and love. At that point, I kind of re- I had a thought. I, I thought I, nobody walks in LA kind of pops in my mind, which is kind of a, a phrase that if you live in LA or even if you don't, you probably have heard about it. Um, there's a yeah. song by the missing person called Walking in LA, and one of the lyrics is Nobody walks in LA. So, um, so nobody walks in LA popped in my mind, and then I thought that'd be kind of a that's a cool idea to do a movie about two people walking around LA all day and kind of a link letter vibe that's called Nobody Walks in LA. So that was kind of the, the genesis of it. And I knew that I wanted to do it. I wanted to write the script so I could make it for for no money because you know no one's going to give you the opportunity and just unless you're you know one of you win the lottery and you're one of those hot commercial directors and you make some short that blows up that gets billions yeah. of views, which is, as we all know, doesn't happen very often. Uh, you know, no, it doesn't uh, happen Hollywood when it does. Hollywood not going to be calling and not going to go to you to direct their next yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen that often. And when it does happen, uh, what I've noticed is that uh, there, there's something behind those videos getting all those views. They, that person's either been on YouTube forever or some of those views have to be bought. I mean, I'm gonna call some people out right now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna call out anybody directly, but some of them, I'm like, come on, man, how did this get a million million views? Yeah, I mean, a lot and, of you know, a, a lot of you know, so quickly. To me, it seems like the videos that blow up and then the guy gets a deal. It's usually guys that have a lot of uh, you know uh, special effects acumen and like can can make it look like a spaceship is really landing for no money. So, you know, and there are a lot of geeks out there and people yeah. that love that type of shit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then also, either they know how or they found somebody who could get it out there to the right people. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say views is being bought. Like they actually spent the money to have their view count go up. Like they spent the money right. to market that short or to release it at the right time. I have somebody. You know, uh, plan yeah, a lot of those people of are, are connected in, in Hollywood anyway, and it's not everyone, but you know, I mean, there are those people that come out of the out of the blue, but it's it, it is kind of like it is. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot some. of luck to it as well, uh, and or you know people already, or your dad is already famous, or your uncle is, or whatever it might be. You were saying as far as um oh, oh yeah, you were saying that you knew that um like you know nobody's not going right. to just oh, yeah, give yeah, you yeah. money to make a movie. So you want to be able to make, yeah, make so, a movie with no The idea was to write a script and to, to have it be something that I was proud of and that, you know, hey, look, I could show it to some people and see what happens with it. But in the end, I can make it myself and do it on a, on a micro budget. I went to, I forget what it's called. I went I went to kind of one of those guerrilla film schools in L.A., no-budget film school or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, yeah, Mark. Mark, great. Yep. And, I, and Mark, that was really I helpful, Mark. and I recommend anyone do that as well um and you know and he gives a lot of great advice which is not actually already written the script by the time i went there it was more in terms of, of how to make it um but uh it was you know it's like okay. few locations not a lot ton of actors and in my mind I, I realized you know i could feel if it's two people walking around la you know with the type of cameras that exist out there nowadays you can feel stuff it just it looks like you're shooting with a, a still camera so it doesn't really matter so, um, so I realized I could get a ton of production value because walking around LA all day, great production value, all these people walking on the streets, all the cars, all the buildings, everything, you know, we, we, we didn't shut shit down. I mean, those are just real people in buildings in the background, <laughs> in the cars. So, you know, it, um, 
So okay. it worked out nicely for us. And, and, you know, the two people go and run into different people throughout the story. You know, it's yeah. primarily just two people walking around L.A. all day. Mm-hmm. And he shot in major locations, which was some of the questions I was going to, well, we could talk about that right now. So, so, uh, but first let's talk about the script a little bit, because this doesn't look like a screenplay that would be written inside of a Starbucks. It looks like you actually went to those locations and, and, uh, like wrote, you know, parts of the screenplay as you visited those locations. Yeah, no, that's a really good observation. I went, yeah, I went and walked around LA for a couple of days. It wasn't like I was writing while I was walking around, but I definitely went out on some adventures and, uh, for inspiration. And a lot of those places, you know, I I had known I, I've known for my whole life. You know, those are some, not all of them, but a lot of those places are are places mm-hmm. I've gone since I was in junior high, high school. So I kind of had an idea of the direction I wanted to go, and so then I kind of walked down. And mm-hmm. when I would see things or think things, I would use that as inspiration for the script, for sure. Yeah, because it looked like, uh, uh, like I said, uh, well, before we started, it looks like you really know L.A. And uh, I've drove by a lot of these places. <laughs> just sitting in my car looking around while I'm in traffic. I also noticed that uh, when you got to certain locations that your cho- your camera placement choices were like, were, were, were just awesome. And I was thinking, did you, uh, with your cinematographer, go to these locations or did you just go ahead of uh, shooting and take pictures and show it to your cinematographer? Or did you just, you guys go there, find what looks good and then start shooting while you're yeah, I mean, we location film. scouted. We definitely, uh, we walked to all the locations before we got there. Um, and part of the reason for doing that, too, was just to see how much black we would get from people. So we went to location scouting, and we went location scouting with kind of cameras. And so not only were we location scouting, we were seeing if security or people would come up and bother us with cameras at these locations. So it was, it was a... It, it, it serves two okay. purpose. And I, I highly recommend that. If you're going to try and steal a shot, go there ahead of time with a camera and see how they act. <laughs> so, okay. So so did you guys no, shoot we, with two cameras with one or camera. one camera? Oh, well, we shot, cameras. I mean, it was a, we used one camera. We used multiple different types of cameras throughout the shoot. I was primarily shot with a red Epic. Okay. But when we went into cases where we had to steal stuff, we would, we would go down to an HDSLR. So I mean, and oh, okay. kudos to my cinematographer John Frost because he uh, he made it all look, and our, our colorist as well he made it look seamless, and and so you can't really tell that there's we're using multiple cameras, but or um, no, no, I wouldn't yeah. have thought so, that at all. Um, yeah, I mean, and in general, it's not like we when we were scouting the location, it wasn't most of it was on the fly the day of in terms of where we were at, what the blocking was, because uh, the thing is, is even if you go to a certain spot. You know, we're, we're dealing with the elements with Los Angeles. It's like, and by the elements, I mean, you know, there could be, you went there, we went there for, to scout and it was great. But then day of, they're doing construction or there's a concert or, you know, there are 30 homeless people that yeah. are where you wanted to shoot, you know? So it's, um, so in terms of kind of the camera angles, your initial question, that wasn't really decided, but it was kind of getting a mm-hmm. feel for, for where we would want to shoot I started kind of having ideas of how we could possibly lay out the blocking and so on and so forth. And then, but a lot of the blocking was really done uh, the day of um, when, when we were actually shooting and uh, my cinematographer and I would just kind of go check out the location. Be like, what if they came around here? And, you know, depending on how the light was that day, you'd be like, Oh, it'd be better if they walked this direction. The light would look better that way. You're like, okay, we can do that. And so it was a very fluid process um, in terms of those angles and, and, 
but he and I work together on all that. And and thank you for the compliment. <laughs> hey, no problem, no problem. Uh, yeah, it seems like um, you, you know, usually for an indie film, and I've talked about on, on some of my uh, other podcasts. You, you know, when you make a normal film, let's say, or, or a, a low budget or a indie film or even, a you know, just a huge mega budget film, you know, you have a yeah. screenplay. Right. And, you know, the script is written. Then uh, then you get the producer, producer who creates the budget and then uh, the, the funds is secured. And then, you know, they secure the talent and then you got the crew. Then you get the locations, location scouting. You start shooting. I'm mean, no, you set the uh, shooting dates and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a little bit earlier, before we started, you said you reverse engineered this one. I mean, just by looking at the film, and you you've said a little bit. It seemed like a lot of, of those rules are broken. And even the even the low budget rules are broken as far as you shooting in a bunch of locations. Because when you shoot an indie film, you know they say try to keep a little bit of. I mean. Very few characters, few locations, small crew, you know, and you, but you guys are all over the place. So how did you reverse engineer this film and able well, to get this I, film I mean, I don't complete? think I'm, I'm not a trailblazer by any means. I kind of remember listening to an interview with uh, Robert Townsend about the Hollywood Shuffle and how they were just a bunch of filmmakers in a van rolling around L.A. to shoot that movie. And so I kind of took that as inspiration and, um, you know, it, it was all of us in a van. So it's not hard. It's, if we had multiple, if we had huge setups and, and a lot of cast members, then that would have, then that wouldn't have been possible. But since we only had two main actors, you know, we had our sound guy, we had our DP, we had an assistant camera, we had two producers, myself, a PA and our actors, uh, and makeup, hair and makeup. And that was pretty much it. That gave us freedom to, to not have to, to use, to do multiple locations. Cause, you know, we're not rolling around with a giant truck. You know, we're all in a van. We're all running and mm-hmm. gunning it. We're not shutting down sidewalks. We're just kind of, you know, sh- shooting with what we have. And 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 so, I think other than the location stuff, we we kind of stuck to those rules. Uh, but since we were such a small crew, uh, and we were running and gunning it, you know, we were able to move to a lot of locations and shoot quickly. I mean, that's the other thing is we shot it really fast. We shot the whole thing in 12 days. I came into it kind of knowing what I wanted once we had it and the actors felt good. The director of photography felt good and sound felt good. And the reason why I say that is we didn't have playback. You know, our audio wasn't attached to our okay. camera. So it was kind of, we were making a film old school style where there was no playback. I kind of had to, I was kind of looking over the shoulder of the DP, looking, <laughs> looking at, at the, at the, the screen and then watching the actor's performance at the same time. And, at the end of a take or after we had done a few takes, I would say, all right, well, I feel good. You know, John and my DP, I was like, did my photographer, did you get that? Do you feel good about that? Yeah, I feel good. Audio, was that clean audio? Yeah. Actors, how do you guys feel about that? Was that good? Yeah, we felt good about that. All right, then it's time to move on. If someone didn't get it or someone didn't feel good, we'd keep, we'd keep shooting. But we didn't shoot. You know, I don't, I, I don't think we shot more than 10 takes of any scene. You know, I, I think once we had it, it was time to move on. It was, it was running down. And I was like, down. You guys got out of there. When you went and stole locations, did you have, because it sounded like you had a crew of like eight or nine. You, you had half of the people hiding in the van, then like the three of you stepped out. Is that how it worked? That would be a camera sound. You you guys stepped out and stole the shot really quick. Yeah, I mean, we would have cameras down. Is that how it worked? Um, 
you know, like we did, we had a permit, we had, we got a documentary permit, uh, so it allowed us to, to shoot, you oh, know, okay. people came up and asked, we were shooting a documentary called Nobody Walks in LA. It, uh, it allowed us, as long as we weren't shutting down sidewalks, like a blocking sidewalks completely, we were fine. And, you know, you get to pick 10 different places that you can shoot at within a certain amount of days. I forget exactly what it is, but it was cheaper than a narrative permit and it allowed us to just really, so it wasn't, we weren't like, when we had when we were shooting in places that we were permitted, we weren't we weren't afraid. And so like our okay. producers like wouldn't be like it's not like everyone was hiding in the van. It's like but at the same time, like people would be like half a block down <laughs> or something like that because they didn't want to shot. Yeah. You know, um but mm. primarily it was the two actors, sound, D P and myself, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I never heard of anybody using a documentary. Yeah, but that might that might have, So so can I, you I ex- that explain that a little bit? Aspect of our production. Um yeah, I mean I don't uh, you know, I don't, it's not, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey. But, you know, it's necessary, right? So, yeah, so that, yeah. that that allowed us to, we still didn't have permits for every place we shot, but that gave us uh, a good amount of comfort, you know, comfort in for a lot of the days that we were shooting. Yeah, because you said you, you put down like 10 locations on the, uh, on, on a documentary permit and then. You guys just go set up, and if uh, security is called, you just show them the permit. Yeah, I mean, you know, you cops really don't give a shit in L.A., too. Everyone talks about how hard it is to shoot in L.A. Cops have got enough stuff going on that they're not they're not really tripping on a couple of cameras. It's not, you're not, if you're not like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. that's yeah. why I said security. Security, security can be, <laughs> you know, if it's private property, they'll come up and, and talk to you. And, you know, at that point, you know, where do we have that issue? We had that in a couple of places. I think, like, we shot down in the subway for a while and like at the end towards the end of it they were like we're calling cops right now like they're saying that over the PA system like, alright well we better pack it up at Olvera Street we shot there and we kind of took out our documentary permit and we're like yeah we've got this permit and they're like oh no this is a special historical site you need a special permit for it I'm like oh man but they were impressed that we had a permit at all because most people don't even have permits and so we were like well is there any way we can just take some photo pictures real quick and they're like okay yeah that's cool and then we proceeded to take 24 photos a second uh, for <laughs> as we rolled around. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a lot of times it's good to just have a producer to kind of talk yeah. for a while to just talk to the person and you guys keep on shooting and doing what you're doing mm-hmm. while the producer is kind of like just literally buying time. So that was a strategy yeah. we used. And then, you know, occasionally we got shut down and it's like, all right, well, we got to come back later and get this one with the security guard or one. There, there isn't as much, you know, there's not as much happening here. Did you have to do that? Uh, Surprisingly often, not. Or? Only um, the, the the toughest part was, part was the subway. Like in the subway, we like got okay. shut down a couple of times and then we had to come back another night and shoot the subway again. At the very end of the scene, of the movie, there's a scene in LACMA where the, the lights are. And the first night we went to go shoot there, there was, there was I don't know if it was a prom party or what the hell was going on, but there was like, 40 kids there at like 2.30 in the morning. So we were like, oh, man. So we had to shut that down and then come back another night at like 4 in the morning and when no one was there. So it happens, but you just got to be flexible. Okay. So your actors, you got, you got some great actors in your in your film. Uh, how did you do the casting? Was it was it a pretty easy casting process? Was it people that, people that you've not. already um, worked Adam, with? Or yeah, my lead, Adam casting Shapiro, had been, um, had been attached to the project for a while. I had a... I had a few different producers on this project. This project, you know, I started writing this in 2009 and finished it in 2010. And then 
It took me the shadow in 2014. Okay. So took, there was a lot of starts and stops to it, which I'm happy to talk to you about in case there's anyone who's like, how come this project's never going to happen? I had that multiple times. So oh, yeah. you just got to keep on charging. Um, and, and happy to talk about that. But Adam, when my initial producer had worked with him and was friendly with him, and we brought him into Reed. And I really liked him. So I, uh, and I thought he was great. I thought he just embodied my main character and my mom's character. And so, you know, while I was trying to get the film made, I would check back in with him every six months saying, like, this is going to happen eventually. And he was always into it and just really supportive. And so when we finally got it all together, I was happy that he was available and we were able to make it work out. I had a different lead for the Becca character initially. And she fell out like two weeks before we were going to start shooting. And so, uh, my producer and I just went out to everyone we knew and said, hey, do you have anyone who you think would be good for this? And actually, out of the agent, submitted uh, Kim, who ends up playing uh, our lead, Becca. She came in and read with Adam, and uh, immediately I knew it was going to be a great a, a great fit. And so that's how we were able to book her, but that was that was fortunate. To have your, the person I thought was going to be the lead, she's fantastic. She, like, she's so great. Like, to have the person you think is going to be the lead, will drop out two weeks before, and at that point, given all the starts and stops that we already had with them, I'm not waiting to, like, we're going to find whoever's supposed to be it in these next two weeks. Like, we just got to do it because I'm not going to push the, the dates of this film. And it ended up working out really well. It ended up being how it was supposed to be. So just know whenever you could get bumps in the road, it's how it's supposed to be. At least that, okay. that was my Yeah, that's I'm awesome. Sure. Yeah, let's talk. Movie, I'm sure in the future that might not be. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, to keep that positive thought going forward. Uh, let's talk about the starts and stops because that does happen a lot. You know, it's happened to me a lot and uh, I'm in the middle of a, a stop right now and, and you know, and it kind of irks me when people say, oh, right. hey, what happened to that movie? Like, you still making a movie? Like, what happens? Like, I don't want right. to get all into it. So, you know, uh, uh, what what kind of what kind of stops oh, uh, did you run into? Oh, what kind of God, obstacles did you run into? For you, man. Uh, so... <laughs> so you know like initially i wrote the script you know at first like there was some interest from some different production companies and i kind of was hesitant to go down that route because as soon as you accept people's money they get to accept their opinions and what they want to do as well so i talked to one production company and then kind mm-hmm. of this actor producer guy and he ended up like wanting to be the lead in it as well if he was going to be interested in doing it and the guy looked like a, like a high school quarterback jewy dude who was what the lead is uh so, you know, kind of went down that road for a little bit. And then I decided, all right, well, I'm going to make, mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot the first 20 minutes of the movie and use it as a sales tool to go out and raise money because I can just call in some favors, shoot the first part of it, and then go from there and then use that to show people that I can make a good-looking, great, great movie. That's when I initially cast Adam. And I kind of had written the Becca part, uh, the lead female part, initially for... Um, uh, my roommate at the time who I was living with and she was like, you know, a working, struggling actress. Uh, and so we booked it. We got, we got Adam on board. I had the whole shoot set up to do the first 10 pages. And like on Wednesday, it was like we were supposed to shoot Saturday and Sunday and Wednesday of that week. Uh, my roommate, um, she booked a huge gig, which ended up being The Walking Dead. And she's the star of The Walking Dead now. Uh, oh, <laughs> so shit. <laughs> You're, you're, oh shit. <laughs> you're kidding me. She's a, what, uh, uh, which Maggie, character? She's like the, the lead. Yeah, Holy Lauren, shit. That's, yeah, that's no, so great. awesome for her. I mean, Man. Like, we're still, we're, we're still 
site. You know, she she tweeted out to her how many millions of followers to go check out my film, which was nice of her. <laughs> you know, like people probably are like a hundred thousand yeah. people do that. And she just threw one out there for me, so I was grateful. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so so that was like a start and stop. And then you know, part of it was you know I didn't have the money at first, and so I wanted to bring on producers who could help me raise money, and so. But that's tough, you know. It's like that's that's a tough find. It's hard to find producers. Uh, so initially, I kind of put it out on Craigslist and said, "Hey, I'm looking for a producing partner for this film." And I got connected with a guy who had produced like some long shorts, uh, hadn't done a feature yet. He read the script and he loved it, and he was super pumped. He was kind of based in Seattle, but moving into Los Angeles, moving to Los Angeles. And I was like, "All right, great." And he was just like, "I love it." And then, you know, long story short, you know. We were going to shoot in June. It was like March, April. I was like, like I'm, I'm not going to have problems raising money for this. I'll get the money, no problem. And then uh, he's like, I have his producing partner as well, and she's really pumped about it too. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. So like, made a deal with them and like all this other jazz. And then maybe two months before we're supposed to shoot, he comes to me and he's like, so um, I think – you know, we need to get this other producer off of the project, which is his producing partner. Uh, and I was like, why? You know, what's the matter? What's what's up with you and her? And he's like, well, she's acting kind of erratic and so on and so forth. And I was like, what What do you mean erratic? He's like, well, I didn't tell you this before, but we used to go out. We used to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And, you know, <laughs> she got like violent with me yesterday and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, man. and she's like, drama. Like, so I think it would be best if you just called her and told her that like she she can't be on the project anymore. And I was like, wait, you want me to fucking break up with your girlfriend? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's not fucking happening. I was like, uh, fuck her and fuck you too. And like, That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. I was like, up, up, yeah, you gotta exactly. drop the both and, of them uh, now. Uh, and then I ended up paying them like a couple thousand bucks to get them out of the project, which is dirty and whack but I was just like whatever like I just need to get these people out of my project right now so that was like a real that was a real fucking bummer man that that was like cause that was you know the guy was gonna help me raise yeah. money and this and that and that and like there were kind of red flags coming up for, to that to that so, point too where he was like no I think we need to shut down the streets and we need to do this and we need to do that and I'm just thinking there's no way we're gonna be able to do this for you know a small budget I was like look if you can raise the money to do that but like you know, it would have been a totally different movie. And, and like, honestly, I think if he would have produced it, it would have fucking sucked. Um, so it was worth it. You know, it's like those things happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're blessed. The last go around. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so yeah. quick, quick question. How, how is it that you had to pay them money? I mean, buy them out of your own project. Did they bring money in or they bring, they brought something like, into the We had signed a deal initially the with them, you know, and I probably, like, I could have fought them on it. But at that time, I had, like, a little savings money, mm-hmm. and I was just, like, it wasn't a shit ton of money, and it was, like, I mean, it was a shit ton of money. Don't get me okay. wrong. It's a couple thousand bucks is a lot. But for me at that time in my life, as opposed oh, yeah. to, like, going to small claims court and expending energy and time and effort into, like, fighting them on this, I was just, like, mm-hmm. I just want them out. Like, I just don't even see their faces or talk to them. Yeah. It's a lot easier right, you know, to just get was, rid you know, of them So now. for me, you know, if I had to... If I was poor, like I'm poorer now than I was then. So if I was, at this point, if I was poor as I am now, I would be like, 
go fuck yourself. I'm not giving you shit. Take me to court. But at that point, like, I had, I had, I had some side gigs that were doing well, and I was like, I just want them out of my life. So... <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what was one of the other stops do you have in, yeah that's in that, true well, so that third was time two charm, right man. there i mean uh here we go uh so the third time this last time i basically was like i i'm gonna raise the money myself and i basically put the business plan together went to all my friends and family went to a former boss of mine and he was like i'll help you raise some money as well and so you know put together what we needed fifty thousand to get through production um and so at that point i was like all right i'm just gonna hire a line for so I just put it out on Craigslist looking for a producer. I interviewed like seven different producers. The producer I ended up with is okay. fantastic, great, had produced other features, low-budget features, features in L.A. And he was the only one that asked to read the script. He was like, well, if I like the script, then, then I'll do it. And so I was like, well, this is the guy I want. Because all the other guys didn't even ask to read the script. They were yeah. just like, sure, let's do it. Let's make it. And like this guy was like, I only want to work on something if I think it's good. So I liked that he had, that he cared about the work that he was doing and it wasn't just like i need the money type shit exactly 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 and that's that's something that the listeners could you know take note of is that you always want you want to you want to hire the person or bring the person on to your 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 crew you know to go into battle with you somebody who's actually you know uh invested in the uh, right project your story because like you said those other guys you know they're they're just looking to get paid and then they're gonna do a half-assed job and then just like you know, expect to be paid or, or complain about not right. being paid enough. Yeah, you want someone that's passionate about your project. So he brought on another yeah. producer who I like, Sarah Sattow. My producer is Jeremy Elliott, and he brought on Sarah, who he had worked with before, and you know this was her first feature project producing, and she was great. And so you know we kind of uh, barreled forward from there, and um, and they were fantastic, and the whole experience was fantastic. It was really a team effort. You know, everyone got paid a hundred bucks a day. I mean, I didn't take any pay at all, but it's like, if you're a PA, you're getting 100 bucks. If you're an actor, you're getting 100 bucks. If you're, you know, except for sound, you always got to pay a little bit more for sound. Uh, so, unless you have a, unless yeah. you have a sound dude for sound guy, you yeah. have to pay more for the sound. But other than that, everyone gets 100 bucks. And um, it was, and for all the starts and stops, it happened when it was supposed to. You know, like, I had the crew, I had the people, I had what I, you know, and, and, and hopefully, you know, thank you for the kind words about the film, but I, I'm really proud of it. I feel like, the product uh, and the film shows that, you know. The uh, sound, sound really quick. How did you guys set up sound? You guys were like outside. Was it like boom mic? Was it lavs? I watched the film like twice and I'm looking for lavs and I'm thinking, man, they must have done a lot of work in post as far as Yeah, sound I mean, goes, it was definitely um, the sound was We, we had lavs. Lavs is what we use primarily. Where did you hide the lavs at? Just, you know, so well, I know where to guys. hide that's the lavs. That's why you got to pay the picture <laughs> that, man, because those guys know how to fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they hide it inside yeah. the shirt, um, and you get, you get good mics. And, and, and so the, the biggest issue is just, like, kind of frequencies. There's so many frequencies in, in L.A. When you're doing sound, it's like, you just, yeah. you just hear, because there's so many people. There's Wi-Fi. There's, there's that, so many waves flying through the air. In, mm, in general, like, it was shit. good. We had to, you know, we had to go back and um, do some some work in post and you know on the bus scene and the subway scene those are um, those are you know we had to do dubbing we had to go back in there and and, and do some why am I blanking on the fucking term for it right now yeah yeah additional dialogue. ADR yeah. ADR so we had to do some ADR and yeah I mean so so and, and, and you know we had money we knew that we were gonna have to do that we knew we, there was gonna be you know, we would have to clean a lot of shit up and, and post in terms of sound. So, but fortunately, I mean, there's so many yeah. things that you can do these days. Uh, 
it makes their stuff sound better. And the other thing is this, and I, I can't stress this enough in terms of doing an indie film. It's all about your actors, man. You've got to have good actors, because you don't have good actors. It gives it away so quickly. And, like, our act, the actors I got were fucking broke. There are a lot of really good people out there who can act. It's all about casting. It's all about, you know, getting great actors. So don't skimp on, you know, I know your friend wants to be in a movie, but make sure that they're dope at acting, because it's, it's really, really important. And that's what gives a, a movie the feel of, of being a real movie or not. More than anything, that's my opinion. And the fact yeah, that, yeah, that, that our actors time. come back into um, ADR, like they had to ADR entire scenes, you know, and that's not easy. And able to get back there, and they just fucking knocked it out of the park. It was really, it's really incredible. And also, when you're shooting under like difficult circumstances, like that's even harder for actors, right? So you need really good actors. Like we're like we're like doing yeah. it in six takes. They yeah. got to get emotional. They're like running from a van. We're looking out for cops. You know. Yeah, that's why I was like, man, this is this was done really well because because I know how many problems you could run into as far as sound. But then, yeah, you guys, you guys were at the like uh, the market, the market downtown uh, right there across the street from the uh, the station. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are at the Grand Central Market. And I'm like, man, there's a lot going on in there. I mean, it sounds good. The actors look focused. I was wondering, like, did you guys did you guys like uh, like block off the the section? But then I was thinking, I don't think they blocked this off because you can see people walk by and they look <laughs> like real people. And, no, I mean, we, so. <laughs> uh, I mean, so that's that's one of the places where they're super hardcore about filming in there. If you walk in there with a camera, they're like they're on you. And. I think, in, like, I think in one of the, in that scene you can see yeah. like a cop walking by or something like that. So we we went in and like bought tacos and uh, sat down at a table, <laughs> and I was in one chair. Uh, my my DP was sitting next to me, and then our sound guy was next to us, and he was wearing headphones and kind of had his, his all his sound gear hidden. Um, so it looked like he was just it looked like he was just like <laughs> listening to some music, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, we had a little DSLR, so our DP looked like he was just, like, looking through the photos that he took that day, and I was sitting next to them, and then we shot the scene, and so that was just totally stolen. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, shit, it worked. I mean, that's why, that's why I, uh, you know, that's why I had to get you on here, so so uh, the filmmakers could check this out, because this, this was a difficult film to make, and you guys pulled it off, so that's why I said I couldn't Nobody watched it LA, it's available time. on Amazon Prime, you know. go check it out. Leave a review as well. That would be awesome. If you like it, if you don't like it, whatever, just leave a review. It helps us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'll put I'll put the link on the uh, show notes, and yeah, I'll blast it out for you guys. Uh, as far as the screenplay, back to screenplay. How many pages did I think you? In guys the end, have? it was like one twelve, one thirteen. Yeah, the movie ends up being around ninety. Oh, really? Around no, it's a, it's like an hour and twenty six minutes or something. So like eighty eighty five, eighty six. Mm-hmm. So did you cut? Did you guys cut a lot out, or, or like how? Because I noticed the the pacing, uh, the pacing of the film. You know, you guys, uh, they're walking and they're talking, and then something fun happens. You got the music kicks in, and you know, the the pacing of the film was that written in in the script that way, or did you find it in during? Um, editing? it was written in the script pretty much. Uh, like all those montages were written into the script, and you know, I mean, it was okay. a longer script. Obviously, it was like one hundred twelve or one hundred ten around 110 to 112 pages. But since it's walk and talk, you know, those pages go fast. Usually it's a page a minute, right? But walk and talk, you know, it's all about their chemistry. It's all about these two characters. And so 
that mm-hmm. was very that was done on purpose and a lot of it there are a lot of like long takes and so it you know that that, that, that those pages are gonna are gonna run quicker than so that's why we didn't cut a lot i cut i cut some of that out of it um and you know we would do some rewriting i would do some rewriting the night before the day of you know, i worked with the actors to just make sure the dialogue felt felt natural to them but there wasn't a lot of we didn't fuck. A, uh, we didn't mess around a lot with the script. Uh, there was a couple of improvised moments. A lot of people ask. A lot of people think the movie is improvised. Okay. There, there wasn't. It was. It was pretty much. We pretty okay. much stuck to script. Like I would say, you know, there are a couple lines here and there that are improvised that are funny jokes that we left in. But for the most part, it was all it was all scripted. Okay. Uh, so how many locations did you guys yeah, actually I, have for this yeah, movie? I have to go back. <laughs> I don't even know, man. I don't even know. <laughs> Because I was just wondering, like, see, I wonder how many yeah, so locations did go through and count. I don't, uh, I don't really care. I've watched this movie enough, man. I'm tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so the audience is going to have to go back and watch it a bunch of times to yeah, count I mean, the locations. There's, there's definitely at least thirty. I, would think <laughs> I was curious about the one the, the one scene where they were where they were uh, yeah. riding the bikes at night. How did you guys pull that off? I mean, was people actually do that out here in LA? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Seen I it mean, before. So, there, on, on a, in movies and yeah, stuff. No, I thought that no, was made up. There's all these different bike crews that go out and get together and they roll out packs of like 50, 60, 70, hundreds of people that go out and do it. I think uh, the crew that we worked with were called Taco Tuesdays and there's like, there's there used to be a group called the Midnight Riders and there's Critical Mass. There's a bunch of different bike groups. So we hooked up with these guys, my producer Sarah hooked up with them and they came out to kind of support the film and do the ride. And, um, and that was kind of, that was probably the, the craziest night that we had because you know, we basically, we got a pedicab, uh, you know, like, you know, the, the bike with the, yeah. the, the yeah, bike cab. Yeah, bike yeah. Cab. So yeah. we rented, we, we got a pedicab with a guy and we put our DP in the back of the pedicab. We got another, uh, then, then I got a convertible car that I drove and we had another operator in the back of that. That was the old time. And, and then, oh, okay. you know, we rolled down Sunset Boulevard. Uh, with 50 people and just kind of took over a lane of traffic and and shot it. <laughs> so. <laughs> and so would you have said that's a documentary too or you just say that's just a... Well, I mean, so... Yeah, I mean, like, you guys got make a, like if you, all, you're say, all cops are saying is just like 50 people riding bikes down the street, which is totally legal, you know? And so yeah. and I'm riding in a convertible mm-hmm. next to it or in front yeah. of it or behind it or back of it, but I'm like, oh. And yeah, so we just fucking did it, man. And... We weren't going that fast, too, because, like, it looked like we were going fast, but they were riding bikes that didn't travel very quickly, and so we were going pretty slow and being careful about it. So, uh, and everyone felt safe, so that's all that really mattered. Okay, so uh, for your for your next film, do you plan on uh, shooting it in this type of style? Are you going to you gonna just go out there and shoot another film, or are you going to try to raise the money? Yeah, I mean, I want to go. I, I, I don't want to go. regular way. We ended up doing this film for around a hundred thousand bucks with all the post stuff and everything like that. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to go up to like somewhere between two hundred fifty and five hundred thousand. I'd like to have some more money. Okay. I mean, my goal for my next film is now that I've, I've, I have a film under my belt that has gotten, you know, the LA Times giving it a great review and we've got really positive reviews and feedback from really good. Uh, is to go and mm-hmm. you know do a film for two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollars, get some. You know, obviously, I'm not going to get any A-level stars, but get you know some some TV stars or B-level stars uh, to be in in the film, 
and and you know try to it, it, that's that's really for the for my next step that's that's kind of my next step i've proven i can make a film i can make a quality film film that people enjoy and so now getting some uh, more well-known people and actors in the film because that helps get you into festivals, it helps you get distribution, it helps you make money off the film when the film is distributed. So it's, uh, so for me, my focus now is to, to write another great script and then to, to get some high-quality actors and some, well-known, some more well-known people. But I will be doing it, most likely I will be doing it independently. It's, I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm like going back to the same thing. I'm using my same model, it's just going to be a little bit more expensive and you know, I'll have to hire a casting director this time to, to get the script into the hands. Okay. Did you, did you, uh, go through the film festival route? Like, like, yeah, you know, yeah. We like went, um, we did it? our world. Pre- I really wanted to, and you know, talk about like more wanting to like setbacks or alleged setbacks, which ended up being fine. Um, you know, I really wanted to premiere at the LA film festival, which you think oh, so nobody watched in LA. It's good for it. But, you know, and they called me mm-hmm. and like, you're in the final round. We need more copies of the film. I was like, oh, boy, this is going to happen. Awesome. And then we didn't get in, um, which was a big disappointment. So uh, then we kind of went around to, you know, wow. all the regular Sundance stuff like Southwest and, you know, all, Stride Back, all that shit. And unless you have a connection at those festivals, like, if you're just sliding or something in that festival, my guess is you know, no one's watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they get thousands and thousands of submissions. You know, you you, you need to have some type of connection mm-hmm. to um, to those festivals uh, in order to make sure that it's getting watched or at least on their radar. Yeah, uh, yeah you got to either have you got to have some kind of connection or somehow you got into one of those big ones and then the right. other film festivals right. so, uh, take note, right? Or, or the other film right, festivals right. will invite you. So we ended you. up doing our world <laughs> premiere at the Newport Beach Film Festival, and um, I highly recommend um, they watch all the films. And they're just really good people down there. They throw awesome parties. It was really a really fun, great experience. Um, and we ended up winning the audience award at the Newport Beach Film Festival. It was really great for us. And then the Maui Film Festival called me up and said they wanted to see the film. They watched it and loved it. So they invited us out to that film festival as well, which was amazing because it's in Maui, Hawaii. And um, I uh, okay, okay. You said no, Maui. No, Maui. I thought you said yeah, Valley. Maui, Hawaii. So, wow. So they, wow. That's, that's the first time I kind of really saw like a filmmaker because they're like kind of like this. It, it kind of was it was a nice day off for all the hard work I put in. I got a, I got a script to Hawaii. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, they flew me out there and put yeah. stuff in a nice hotel. And then the film uh, played at their Celestial Cinema, which is basically uh, at nighttime they they. They do these screenings on a golf course. They have like a 60 foot screen, and everyone just brings out their lawn chair and sits on the grass and watches the film under the stars on a big 60 foot screen. So that was really, really special and super cool. And um, then we did one more festival cool. at the Long Beach International Film Festival. Um, and that was a cool thing as well. And then, um, you know, at that point, I was like, look, I just really want to get this film out there. So um, we had, had a couple of different people yeah. that were interested in distributing the film, you know, something that we ran up against. Uh, you know, we stole a lot of the shit. So distributors would automatically ask you have do you have rights, you know, permits for all that stuff. And um, and we do like whenever we shot outside, mm-hmm. we always put a sign saying, "Hey, you're in, um, you know, you're being you you've been filmed and so on and so forth like that." Um, but you know, that that didn't kind of push some, some distributors. And so we ended up going with a company called Indie Rights, where you know the, the contracts are very clear. They 
give you the direct reporting from all the different places that they put your film up on Amazon, so on and so forth. So there's no, there's no kind of wacky map. They, they, they're very transparent about the process. And they wanted to distribute the film. So after Long Beach, which was in July, I think, I was just like, let's just go with them. And so um, we kind of did a week-long theatrical run in November, um, which we kind of self-financed, but then made money back through admissions. And then um, we released simultaneously online on Amazon, on Google. Um, and so, so that was kind of the strategy. And, and you know, I, I think... Um, I feel very good about our ability to make our money back. I think Amazon Prime is a, there's a, a ton of potential, and, and, and indie films, small indie films, oh. are actually well, making well, you their cu- money back. You cut, you, you, oh. you cut out for a second. Oh. Oh, hold on, uh, you cut out for a second. You said you think that Amazon Prime Amazon Prime has a lot of that? potential um, because okay. you know uh, musicians are always bitching about Spotify because um, people listen to their songs for a minute or two minutes or whatever. You know? With films, you know, if someone watches your whole film, they're watching it for an hour and a half. And so uh, I think Amazon Time pays 15 cents per hour watch. So in the end, if our film has a million people watch it or 700,000, we're going to make back our money. And I feel like 700,000 people watching it over the yeah. lifetime of the film is we – have, we have a very good – I feel very positive about doing that. Our trailer on YouTube on the Fandango website has like 720,000 views already – um, in, in the first couple months. So, um, and that, you know, I don't know how we got those. Uh, <laughs> I think Fandango, Fandango obviously has a huge subscriber base. So the trailer on there was great. Um, yeah. and then, uh, and you no, know, we have a, we have a kick-ass trailer. Our trailer, people really respond well to it and care a lot. So, so that's been, that's been really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if you are able to bring in a movie for, micro budget if you're able to do it for five digits or you know that and you have a good title and, and it comes out well you have a very good shot at making the money we're about done here do you have any final advice for for filmmakers that are you know in the trenches right now as far as trying to get that yeah man i think you just gotta like don't give up hope stay positive like things happen for a reason if if, if, if it doesn't go as my story illustrates like it doesn't mean that it's dead you just gotta like pushing forward and I think the other thing is, is this is like I think a lot of people like I'm glad I didn't make a movie in my 20s man I don't know how old you, how old you are but I'm 36 I shot it before uh, uh, no I'm not in my yeah yeah I left yeah. my 20s a, a little yeah. a while ago I don't want to exactly say I'm, 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 we're, right. we're in the same yeah, well, age, I mean, I age think, range I think a lot of people are so eager yeah. to make that first feature I would say make a lot of mistakes on shorts first learn go make a ton of shorts first and then when you're tired of making shorts you'll know when that happens because you know, you can make a million shorts and it's not going to get you discovered or anything's going to happen. Like, you need to kind of make a feature in order to step up your game to that next level. Um, you'll know when you're ready to make your first feature because yeah. you'll be tired of making shorts. But also realize, like, as a director, it's not like you get to sit back and wear the hat and everyone around, especially on the indie production. Like, you need buy-in from everyone. You need buy-in from your producers. You need buy-in from your actors. You can't boss people around, especially when they're not getting paid. you got to get people invested in it and be positive. And, and and be a leader and not not don't get a Napoleon complex and, and start thinking that you're you're holier than thou or that your shit doesn't smell. Like it's really important in terms of having yeah. a good final product that that you are a collaborative person and that you um, are positive and that you enjoy the process. Because if you don't, I think your film shows that. And I think um, 
not always. Like some people can be subtle bits and make great films, but I think it's really hard to do on a low budget indie. I think you really have to be passionate about it and like really get people to buy into your vision and get excited about what what you all are trying to submit to make. It's not it's not just you're not even though I wrote and directed, I didn't put a film I just consider. Because uh, because you, you you were saying that even though you, uh, even though you've written and directed the yeah, film I didn't, and then so I, I kind of lost it, you a little bit. I didn't put down like it's not, it doesn't open with a film by Jesse Shapiro. It's like I put written and directed by Jesse Shapiro at the end. It takes a team to make a film, and so you know it's really important to to, to be a good person while you're doing it as much as possible. You know, like, don't lose your shit. Don't fucking yell at people. Yeah. Don't go crazy because that's not that's never going to help. And things you're going to want to go crazy at times. You're going to want to yell, but it's better to just go into the bathroom, scream in the stall, pound on something, breathe deep six times, and then come back out and be like, all right, guys, well, that didn't work out, so, like, what are our other options? How else can we do this? <laughs> so, you got you to put on, you're the general there, but you don't really get to box people around. You're not you're yeah. not on a $100 million Hollywood studio pick where everyone's kissing your ass. You know, yeah. mutinies can happen real quick, so make sure that, you get people to buy into your vision and are excited about it and stay positive about it and just treat people well. I think that's it. That's some great advice right there. Uh, thanks for your time. Is there anything yeah, else? Yeah, I mean, you I can follow me on it. Twitter at Jesse Shapiro. Uh, you can like, you know, friend me on Facebook. I'm Jesse Shapiro. Go check out my website, jessieshapiro.com. Yeah. Uh, go check out Nobody Walks in LA. You can, there's a, kind of some behind the scenes stuff at nobodywalksinla.com. I actually own the actual website. Joe me, waited three years for that. So, um, yeah, so if you could just go support hmm. the film, watch it, and, uh, and, and rate it, review it, it would mean a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And that goes All for right. you too, Ty. You got to go All and right, do it. All right, Jesse, thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, okay, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. All right, all right. Thanks thanks for your Thank time, you, man. Thanks for coming to the show. Well, there you go. That was Jesse. I mean, he talked about a lot of great stuff. Like I said, the film is on Amazon Prime. When you get a chance, check it out. And then leave a review. I need to get on Amazon Prime myself and leave a review. I need to leave a review on more of these films that I watch. Remember, Amazon Prime is cool because there's a lot of indie filmmakers who are putting their their films on Amazon Prime and then they get paid for each watch. So, I mean, I don't have no affiliation with Amazon at all, even though I, I am a Prime member. But I think it's cool what Amazon is doing for indie filmmakers, giving them the opportunity to get their films out there. And, you know, the viewers not only get to watch a cool film, but, you know, they actually get to help out a a, a, a struggling indie filmmakers like yourself, like most of you out there. You know, we're, we're struggling, we're making films, and we're trying to put money together for the next film. So it would be nice to, to get a check every now and then from Amazon because you got a, a boost of views. So, you know, like I said, help Jesse out. And check out his film. It's a good film. You'll you'll enjoy it. The film is called Nobody Walks in L.A. And that's about it. Until next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to Hollywood Hate Me with T. Huff. We here at Hollywood Hate Me love your support and can't wait to give you some movie making insights in the next episode. 